Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter, and beginning with the 39th verse. And this is the way the scripture reads. Then he came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray ye that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and knelt down and prayed, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. There appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood, falling down upon the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to his disciples and found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise and pray, that you may not enter into temptation. While he was still speaking, there came a crowd, and the man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? God help us this morning that we might understand something of the frailty of human nature. Now we come to this series of messages that we will be dealing with that have to do with the cross and the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ and those things that happened to him in those last days that he walked here upon this earth. One of the most fascinating and revealing studies I think that I've ever made has to do with what we'll be talking about last Sunday and this Sunday and the next few Sundays. Now it may not be too inspirational, but I'll tell you one thing if you will take a close look at it you will begin to see something how the human nature, uh, the how it can act and react and what it can do. And you need to be reminded of the fact that this is the thing that you're addressed in right now, is human nature. And it is a frail type of situation. Remember Jesus on one occasion saying the heart is willing, but the flesh is weak. And beloved, he understood exactly what he was talking about, and that's a fact. It might... Uh, be of some help to us if we would take a look to see how we stand in relation to these people so different they were and yet they were all centered on one thing and that was the destruction of the Lord Jesus Christ the Son of God it's, it's just unbelievable as I was preparing for this message this morning I found things here that as I begin to look at it it's just unbelievable if the scriptures did not tell us that it was so and if we did not know this thing literally happened it would be just unbelievable, it would be almost too much for us to believe that a person within his own normal right mind could ever come to the place where he could do something like was done to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we think about the man who sold Christ, and when we think about Judas, one thing comes to our mind, and we, we think about the traitor, the traitor. And even when we say that word, there are feelings that rise from the pit of our soul. And I suppose they are as darker feelings or as colder feelings that, that will come from the citadel of our soul when we think about a traitor. 
If they could be classified in color, they would be blue and purple and black. They would be all the heavy colors because it is something that is revolting about a traitor. We don't want anything to do with a traitor of any kind. I remember reading one man's account of Aaron Burr when he fell into this category of being a traitor to this country in its early uh, beginning. And he left this country and, as the, this man said, and went back to England as he was, tried to sell the country out to part of it to England. And even those people that had counsel with him in the process of trying to carry out his dirty scheme uh, refused to have any association with him. Uh, they would not uh, spend time with him. And he was so disillusioned there, you remember, that he actually did come back to this country on an assumed name and set up some kind of a law practice and was quite successful at it. But at the point that I'm making, we just do not want to have anything to do with a traitor, even though he may sell someone out even to us. It is something, it is a person that we do not want to deal with. And that can be understood when you stop to think about it, that only a traitor can betray someone that he has befriended. That is why we dislike them so. Someone that has walked with another person, been taken into their confidence and into their counsel, have let an effect walk around in their heart and their soul and their mind. They know their strong places. They know you and know their weak places. Just as Judas knew about Christ. He knew that it was the custom of the Lord Jesus Christ at a certain time during the week that he would go to, to Gethsemane, the garden. And there he would go for prayer and for meditation and to be with his disciples and those that loved him. And Judas knew that he would be defenseless there. And Judas was able to tell those who were seeking the death of the Lord Jesus Christ exactly where he would be. No enemy knew, but one who was called friend knew. And even to the place where he said, Now the one that I kiss will be the Christ. And Jesus said, Judas... Will you betray the Son of Man uh, with a kiss? From our soul comes disgust for such a person. So much so that even the name is cloudy today. And it remains so. As I have said in the past, I doubt whether we would even name a good cat Judas. We just do not like the name. The mind of this type of a person is one of the most difficult to, to understand. How could one that spent time with the Lord Jesus Christ do such a thing? Now this is beyond me. Here's where it comes for the stretch of the mind. To lay hold of what must have gone on within the mind of this man as he had spent time with the Lord Jesus Christ. He had walked with him those dusty roads of Judea. He had been with him. He had experienced the same uh, thirst that he had experienced on those dusty roads. He had experienced the same sun and the same heat and had grown tired and weary in the same way that the Lord Jesus Christ had. He had literally walked with the Lord. Same experiences. And then I think about the fact that he talked with him. Talked with him. I remember a man at Brandenburg that when I went there as the minister, they soon told me that there was something wrong him and thus that he was sort of peculiar but this man enjoyed the, the little league baseball and I soon found that on a Saturday that uh, find myself sitting on the bleachers just the two of us up there but many other people would come out to watch the game 
And I find myself talking to this man. Now this was back before the time of the long beard. But this man had a long beard and I discovered quickly that man, what an intelligent man this is. I didn't talk to him too many Saturdays before I found out that he was a Rhodes Scholar. I also found out that he had a great law practice in the great city of this country of ours. And he had as much money as he could possibly use. I found out that this man had a great love for animals and for birds. And here's where his peculiarity came out. He never cut his grass. He never trimmed his hedge. And so when you drive by the place, it looked like an abandoned house. He never painted the outside of it. And so his yard had grown up in weeds from one year to the next. It looked like a wilderness. But he would tell me of the different birds that frequent his place. I think he even had the rabbits that lived in his yard named. He knew them and watched them so closely. What a fantastic man this was. Because all you had to do was talk to him for a little while and you begin to realize that here was a man that had a cable mind like the which that you would seldom find within a person. I remember one a man saying to me how peculiar he was and I asked him a simple question. I said, have you ever talked to him? He says, no, I've never talked to him. I said, well, you ought to talk to him for a little while. Here Judas was talking with the Son of God. A man that was capable of seeing into the past and into the future was able to know all that was needed to be known. Talked with him. How could he not come to the place where he could see that here is a man like other people, talk like no other man. He speaks with such an authority. He does have the last word. Listen to him. I wonder what happened to Judas, though he talked to him, yet he did not talk to him, seemingly. And then I take note of the fact that Judas ate with the Lord Jesus Christ. And from the beginning of the time of the history of man, eating together has in some, even more in that day than ours, was a sacred situation. Even if you ate with your enemy, you would protect him as long as he was in uh, the reach of your ability and capability to protect him. Eating even today remains something of close communion. Judas ate with the Lord Jesus Christ. He was able to see how quickly he would share and what he thought about food and how he considered it. I know that Judas watched him. He must have been with him when he had the little children to come to him. He was not too busy for them. Here, the Son of God. He was different than other people at this point. And that day, and that day kids were to be seen and not heard. And the disciples thought that the Lord Jesus Christ was too busy. We remember on one occasion Jesus told them, You let them come to me, for such is the kingdom of God. We remember that uh, Judas must have been with Jesus when he was so concerned about those who were sick. He must have stood with the Lord Jesus Christ when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, when he was so smitten of heart that it says that Jesus wept. He must have been with him on the road when he stopped to take care of the blind beggar. And the scripture tells us at this point that the whole troop of the Lord Jesus Christ stopped whatever business Jesus had. He was not in too much of a hurry to be stopped by a blind beggar and to minister unto his need. How could he have done so foul a deed knowing the beat of the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then to add insult to injury to sell him for so little. 30 pieces of silver. The Old Testament tells us that that is the price 
of a slave. Now there have been those people who have tried to explain the action of Judas. And I think I've read every one of them that's ever been printed. And I think they fall into mainly into three categories. There are those who say that Judas was a patriot. That he loved his country. And that he honestly thought that the Lord Jesus Christ was a threat uh, to his country. And so therefore he sought to be rid of him. There's another school of thought that uses the same thought, the same train of thought. They conclude too that he loved his country, but they draw a different conclusion. He said they saw the Lord Jesus Christ as a very popular person with the great multitude. Uh, Jesus was so popular as a demonstration on Palm Sunday. And the great crowd that thronged after the Lord Jesus Christ were seething with revolution. They had the thoughts of overthrowing the Roman government, the stranglehold that uh, Rome had on them. And this was the opportunity. And some say that Judas saw this and they saw that Jesus hesitated. And Judas thought within his own mind and heart that it all needs to be done as a spark set somewhere and the revolution will break out. And so he figured out the spark that would fire the revolution would be for Jesus to be turned over to the soldiers and he would have to declare himself and the great multitude would revolt against the power of Rome. There's a third school of thought that says that Judas began to doubt the Messiahship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That when he joined with the Lord Jesus Christ, he had great expectations of the kingdom of God being set up here upon this earth in a physical way. And the Lord Jesus Christ would be the head of it. And those who had joined with him early would have great authority and ruling capacity within the framework of, of this kingdom. But then... He began to listen to the Pharisees and the scribes. He began to listen to the religious leaders as they downgraded the Lord Jesus Christ and spoke of him as being a nobody, an imposter, a blasphemer. And so Judas wavering in his thought and in his belief as Christ being the Messiah decided that he would put the Lord Jesus Christ to the test. And he would do it this way, that he would turn him over to the authorities that were seeking his life and his confinement. And if he was truly the Messiah, then he would have to show himself. If he did not show himself, then good riddance, the world would be better off without this imposter. Well, I would call to your attention the fact that all three of these run contrary to what the scripture has to say. John tells us flat out that Judas was a thief. Luke tells us that Satan had entered into his heart and his soul. Jesus says of Judas it would be better for him if he had not been born. Now the truth of the situation is that Judas was a Judean. And it's interesting to note that he is the only Judean of the twelve. In all probability he spoke with a different accent. In all probability he thought of himself as being different from the group. You know... When a person comes to me and tells me that they are not like the rest of the people that worship the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're not like the rest of the people that come to church, I have great concern for them because they come to the place where they think of themselves as being different and having no place with God's people. By and large, unless that the thinking has changed, they think of some reason or some excuse uh, to cut out the church uh, from their life. 
We know that Judas had some ability with the finances. It's interesting to note that he was a treasurer for the group. And it was a group of 13. I suppose there's where we get to such uh, superstition in relation to 13. I had it called to my attention a couple of years ago. I'd never noticed it before. But this fellow seeming to be an authority on the situation said he had never been in a motel or stayed in a motel where they had room 13. You just don't stay in room 13. Well, I hadn't noticed that, but I suppose that is true. But this man had some capability in relation to finances, and he did take care of the finances of the group. But it's interesting to note that his greed got the best of him. We remember on one occasion when Judas was watching what was happening to the Lord Jesus Christ and some lady had uh, anointed him with some uh, costly perfume. Uh, we remember that Judas said, well, this could have been sold for 300 pence and given to the poor. And it was Jesus who had to remind him uh, that this was for what was yet to come to him and the poor would always be with them. Do you see the cloak of piety that he was hiding his greed under? He was really not concerned about the poor people. He was concerned about the money and the way that it happened at that time to be spent. And Judas joined for fame and fortune, the kingdom, as it was coming about under the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he grew disappointed and frustrated in relation to what did not come up to his expectation, then he was disillusioned. And I am quite sure that if he had been living today, he would have said, this Christ and what he stands for is for the birds. And so he made the best of the deal that he could possibly make. Now, beloved, what does this really say to us? Does it have anything really to say to us today? And beloved, I want to tell you that it does. And I would like to say it to you in this fashion and ask the question, is it possible to be one of his followers and still not be committed uh, to him? Is it possible to be only committed to a cause and not to the Christ? And beloved, I want to tell you that my experience within the church tells me we had better believe it's a possibility that we can be committed to a cause. And this cause can be a great cause and a good cause. And if it goes right, we go along with it. But if it doesn't go right, we are frustrated and we leave it. And that goes for the church. Beloved, that is a fact. We can be committed to the church, but really not be committed to the one that the church belongs to, and that is Christ. Now, with that statement, I've explained to you why many people, I think, leave the church. The great number of people will come to the church and will join it if they're in some kind of a project or doing something, and it's going the way they want it to go. But let them be outvoted. Whether they be serving in official capacity within a church or within the congregation. And when they're outvoted again and again and it doesn't go like they think that it ought to go, they're the ones who quit and fall by the wayside. Think of the great host of people that have fallen by the wayside that you know. Now it's not that they go on to some other church. Thank God for those who do. But there are the great number of people who are frustrated and disappointed with the church. Are you frustrated and disappointed with the Lord Jesus Christ? Let us lift our eyes from the goodness of the church and let us be able to see, though it be a wonderful thing,
But if you're only committed to the church, beloved, you're in the same position seemingly that Judas was of long ago. And it will not suffice for your soul. The only commitment that is going to carry you through is be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot understand how Judas lived with Jesus and got confused in relation to him. But evidently he was only committed to the cause of Christ. And when that cause did not come out the way that he thought it was, he tried to make a deal. Let us examine our own position today. Let us see whether or not we are committed to a cause or whether we are committed to a man that we know as the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, beloved, it makes a difference. Yes, there's not a man in here, a woman either, but what this church hasn't been a frustration to, and it has not done all the things that you wanted it to do. You look at me and you know that it's so. But I want to tell you something. That doesn't make any difference whether or not this church does or it does not do. I'm with it. Simply because I am committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that makes a difference. I am committed to Christ. We talked about money just a while ago. Beloved, it doesn't make any difference really to one who is committed to Christ. Whether or not this church needs a thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars or not a dollar. It doesn't have anything to say about my responsibility to my Lord. He still calls for a tithe of my income. Now if I don't give it, that doesn't mean that I'm not a Christian or follower of Christ. But let us anchor our soul at the right place. Or else we will find that we have made the same stupid, dumb blunder. And be committed to the same hideous crime as Judas was of long ago. Beloved, it is important. It is important. Examine your position. Reconsider it. Where is your soul anchored? Who are you committed to? Are you committed to just a good cause? Or are you committed to the Lord Jesus Christ? Beloved, there are many wonderful causes within this world, many groups of people who are doing wonderful things. But there's one thing that separates us and puts us poles apart. I am committed, first of all, and so is every Christian, to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now whatever else we do from there. This is where we take our reading. This is where we take our reading. Because we are committed to a Christ. And now we plan our time. And we take our place in our financial ability. And capability. In relation to, to that commitment. Let us understand. That it is not the Lord Jesus Christ that is wrong. Our church may not measure up. But it doesn't have anything to say about our Lord. Judas was preoccupied with something that he should not have been preoccupied with. And that was with money. But we realize that there came a day. Too late, there came a day when Judas wanted to give it all back. He pleaded with those that he took it from to take it back again. Because he had betrayed innocent blood. And then in closing, beloved... I do not understand how Judas could have made the first mistake. It was a great one. But there's a second mistake that is even as greater blunder as the first, if not greater, as far as his own soul was concerned. The scripture tells us that Judas went out and took his own life by hanging himself. I do not understand that. I do not understand how a man that could have walked with the Lord Jesus Christ and when he stood with him and met those lepers in the, in the road, 
And leprosy in that day was a moral stigma of some kind. And notice how kind and considerate the Lord Jesus Christ was with them. And how, if there were any forgiveness needed to be, that he forgave them and healed them. Here this man stood with the Lord Jesus Christ when Mary was brought to him from the sin of sins. So they thought in that day. And he took note of how kindly the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with her. We remember the day that he called Zacchaeus or Matthew from being a tax collector and made him uh, one of his own. The day that he was in the house of Zacchaeus, Judas was there that day and saw how he treated Zacchaeus, how kind. And yet this man somehow missed the great love and compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, the thing that makes us so beautiful, if there be any beauty in it at all, would be at this place as we think about the Lord Jesus Christ and his great love and compassion for man. Wherever Judas should have turned, he should have been able to have seen the great love of Christ as he reflected the love of God. What would have happened if Judas had fallen at the foot of the cross and have asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive him? Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ did more for that soldier than he would have done for Judas? Do you think the Lord Jesus Christ would have done more for that thief on the cross than he would have done for Judas. Now you and I know, because we know the Spirit of God as it comes through the Lord Jesus Christ so beautifully, regardless of what the situation might be in your life today, or the life of any person out there, doesn't make any difference who they are, what name they happen to be called, or whether they're rich or poor, or anything else about them. If they will come to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask for His forgiveness, we are promised by the word of God that he will honor it. My, what a beautiful day that makes. It doesn't make any difference where you stand today, whether you have been played the fool and been a part of Judas more than you should have been. We stand today in a position where we can look to the Lord Jesus Christ and simply within the confines of our own heart and soul and ask for his forgiveness. And we can leave from this place knowing that we have been forgiven and we have been restored to our rightful place in the kingdom of God that God expected us to have the day that he created us and called us into existence. Then, beloved, let us make the most of the opportunity that we have to be restored to him and to his kingdom. And let us be sure that those we live with and come in contact with daily, that we let them know that the Lord Jesus Christ is ready and willing to set aside their sins and give to them their place and the kingdom of God. Our Father, help us then that we might act on this knowledge that we have. And help us, our Father, that we might go forth and live with the enthusiasm of a person that has a place in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.